All right, so today we're in the second part of our series called Circles, and the reason we went with the uh, name Circles is life groups, um, the name Why Are Life Groups Important, just didn't sound like a very good title. And so we're like, we're going to call it Circles, and our whole little tagline with that is Circles Are Better Than Rows. And so our desire is, through this series, to really help us understand why we as Deer Run Church have life groups. And some places may call them cell groups or small groups, um, whatever. We call them life groups. Why we have them and why it's so important that you would be in one. And so the theme for 2020 is made for more. And part of made for more is that we want people to understand and discover uh, more about themselves and God's plan for them. And we believe that life groups play a really, really important part of that, where we're going to be in these smaller environments, learning together, discovering more about God, and also having people speak into our lives who will know us and understand us and maybe encourage us to do more than we may think that we are able to do. So we believe that life groups are an important journey for us as a church. They're an important journey for us as a, as a congregation and understanding who God is, understanding you know, some of our own personal growth. And that's why throughout this series, we really want to challenge all of us to, to really you know, consider whether or not we could be part of a life group. And if nothing else, um, that you would understand why we are pushing life groups, why we're pushing all of us to be in one, because life groups are a very, very important part of this church. So we stated last week that life groups play an important role in relationships. And just really quickly to recap, you know, we said last week, like, oh, as important as this is, as good as this is, relationships aren't really formed in rows. Relationships form more when you make circles, when you're in a smaller environment where you can learn to understand each other, you know more about each other. Just sitting in rows like this, listening to someone speak from the front isn't very conducive to building and developing deep relationships. And so we said last week, you know, when we answer answering the question, what is a life group? We said last week that a life group is a small gathering of people, but we said there's three key elements to life groups. Number one is relationships, which we talked about last week. The second one is growth, which we're going to talk about this week. And then the third one is community change, which is something we're going to talk about next week. And so relationships, building you know, long-term relationships, building deeper relationships are one of, the key re- and one of the key elements of why we have life groups. Growth, you know, individual growth, group growth, community growth, spiritual growth, you know, emotional growth. All of these different areas come under that umbrella of growth. And so we want to, to grow in our relationships and we want to grow in our, in, our, in our relationship with God and we want to grow in our understanding of God. And then ultimately, you know, community change. We said last week, when we're focused inward, it becomes toxic. We need to be a church. We need to be people who are also outward focused and who are seeing the needs around them. And so this week, let's look at the topic or the element of growth. Why is growth so important you know, um, in, in, in our lives. I think if we don't consider growing, if we don't consider, you know, broadening our horizon, if we don't consider, you know, doing more with our lives, we become stale and we become, you know, kind of bored maybe even with some of the things that are going on. And so life groups play an important part in our growth. Life groups play an important part in us developing deeper understanding of God's word. One thing that is very clear in scripture And that is that we are to grow in our relationship with Christ and that the church plays a main part in that growth. We are to grow in our relationship with Christ and 
the church plays a role in that growth. Another thing that's very clear is that growth does not happen automatically. You, you, cannot, you cannot just have this mindset that it's just going to happen. It, you know, if I come to church once a week and if I listen to a sermon for one hour, if I just sort of go through, you know, that motion, it's going to happen whether I make an effort in it or not. Growth needs to happen, but it does not happen automatically. It requires time, it requires accountability, and it requires a place for us to flush out ideas. And this is where some of you kind of get uncomfortable because, you know, when you're not sure about, you know, maybe a biblical principle or a truth or something like that, and then you're like, man, I don't know if I see it quite that way, but the majority of people maybe see it that way. And so you're like, I don't want to be that controversial one. I don't want to be the one that doesn't understand. I'm embarrassed that I'm the one who doesn't get it. But it's a it, growth, part of growth is flushing out those ideas. Is this what it means? Or is, am I understanding this properly? Or what do the rest of you feel about this? Or however those questions may be. So it's very, very important that growth happens within life groups where where something that maybe you don't fully understand that you are able to flush that out. Just gathering information does not result in growth. I want to be careful here because I don't want you to understand me. But just knowing the Bible stories, just knowing the Bible verses off by heart, yes, it's important. Yes, absolutely you need to do those things. But just being able to retell a story doesn't necessarily result in growth. You need a place where you can wrestle with and understand what those things mean. And we believe that life groups is a great place for that. In the Protestant church, the sermon is usually the most important element of the service. Most sermons are between 30 to 45 minutes long. This one won't be as long, don't worry. Um, but most of them are between 30 and 45 minutes long. There is a lot of debate on whether or not sermons are effective. And so if you go do a little bit of research, you find out that many of you are not going to remember much of what's said today. So let me just walk us through um, why sermons are not necessarily even the most effective way of learning or why lectures aren't always the most effective way of learning. And then I want you to hear these, not as saying, well, then we don't need sermons anymore. I want you to hear this as saying, this is why life groups are so important. This is why it's important for us to connect someplace where we can flush through those ideas. So here's just some information from a, a woman named Katie Driver. She says this, and she did a lot of research on this. Adults retain 90% of what they learn if they teach it to someone else and have immediate application of what they learn. So 90% is retained if they teach it to someone else and if they apply it right away. 75%, adults retain 75% of what they learn when they practice it. Adults retain 50% of what they learn um, if they discuss it in a group. Adults retain 30% of what they learn um, you know, if they demonstrate it. Adults retain 20% of what they see and hear in audible video teachings. Adults retain 30% of what they learn through reading. And here it is. Adults retain 5% of what they learn through lectures or sermons. <laughs> Woo. Thank you for the job. I appreciate it. Um, I have a 5% success rate. Now, if that's not depressing enough, uh, here's some more information. People remember best what they heard first. Okay, so what you're hearing right now is about all you're going to remember. 
Immediately after a lecture, after a sermon, people remember 70% of what was presented in the first 10 minutes, but only 2% of what was presented in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, let's keep going, because it just gets better. Within an hour of hearing something, less than half of what is remembered will be retained. 5%, we're down to, you do the math. Retention reduces even more in the days following. What I'm not doing is saying sermons aren't important. What I'm saying to you is this. If this is all you're getting, if this is all you are receiving for your spiritual nourishment, you aren't getting much. And I am not questioning my preaching skills. What you need is a place where you can walk through ideas, where you can practice what you heard, where you can ask questions, and that's why we believe life groups are so important. Rows are not great for growth. Rows are not a great place to learn to grow, and so it's really, really important that in our church that we, you know, set people into life groups where they have an opportunity for deeper growth, where they have an opportunity to flush through ideas. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1. The Apostle Paul here is speaking to the church in Corinth, and listen to what he says. Brothers and sisters, I do not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? What is Paul talking about here? He uses this analogy of children, infants, who need to be fed milk because if you would give them solid food, it would not work with their stomachs. It would, it would absolutely be you know, harmful to the child. And so he's using the same image and he's saying, this is what I have to do with you as a church because you're not yet ready for solid food. You're not yet ready for more things. Now, there's a few things that are very clear in this passage. And that is, number one, is that spiritual growth is expected. Obviously, Paul uses this example because the goal is to get towards solid food. The goal is to be able to feed on more than just on, on milk. And so the desire here is for Paul is that we need to, you know, continuously grow. The other thing that's very clear is that this church was riddled with all kinds of issues. Spiritual issues were not the only area they needed to grow in. And the other thing that's very clear here is that we're all going to be on different stages. Some of us are maybe ready for, you know, for solid food today, and some of us are maybe not. But the goal is that there is constant growth within the church. There are many, many instances in the New Testament where Jesus sat with his disciples and he had explained things to them over and over and over again. What he did not do when they had questions was preach another sermon to them. He would take time and he would explain parables. He would explain messages. And he would explain lessons that he had given so that they would do more than just remember so that they would be able to understand what he was teaching. For an example... In Mark chapter 8, after Jesus has fed 4,000 people, he gets into a boat, he crosses over to the other side, and Mark tells us that 
the disciples have forgotten to bring bread along. So he's just, Jesus has just fed 4,000 people and, and possibly more, you know, if you consider women and children. And so now they're in this boat and the disciples are like, oh my goodness, one of us, you know, who was responsible for bringing bread and they forgot to bring the bread. And then Jesus decides to start telling them this parable about, you know, or not parable, he starts teaching them this lesson. He says to them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. And of course, the, the disciples in that time, when they're already concerned about bread, hear Jesus say these things, and they're just thinking, oh my goodness, he's, you know, he's you know, giving us these kind of be, you know, backhand remarks you know, to remind us of how much we failed. And then Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. Listen to Jesus' discussion. So this is tension that's within the boat. This is tension that's happening. They've just seen this amazing miracle, and I'm sure they still remember it. They could retell you the event, but they don't get it. They don't understand the significance of what's happened. And then Jesus has this thing about the yeast, and they're panicking because who didn't bring the bread right after you saw this miracle about bread? Listen to Jesus' conversation with them. Verse 8, chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, verses 17. Aware of their dis discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? <laughs> Think about that for a moment. Why are we having issues about bread? Do you still not under see or understand? Are your hearts, hearts hardened? Do you, do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? Don't you understand? I'm sure at that moment they're kind of like, no, we don't. What are you talking about? So he gets it. He's like kind of looking at them saying, just look at the experience that you just, you just had. Don't you get it, guys? He takes them through the events that have just transpired not too recently. He says, when I broke the loaves for the 5,000, and this is, you know, not the first time Jesus has pulled this miracle off. How many basketful of pieces did you pick up? And they remember the story. They remember the event. And so they're like, 12. He goes on, verse 20. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces of bread did you pick up? And they remember because it just happened. And they're like, seven. See, here's something I want you to understand. Remembering a sermon. Remembering something isn't going to cause you to grow in itself. Remembering is important. These guys remembered the story, but that doesn't mean they got it. Remembering in itself is not enough. We must understand. And we need a place to flush through those things so that we understand. He says, you can literally see Jesus kind of just frustrated now, and he says to them in verse 21, do you still not understand? Now, what were they not understanding? If Jesus can feed thousands of people with such a little lunch, surely feeding 13 people in a boat is not an issue for him. But they missed the lesson. And they had seen the sermon. They had seen the illustration. They had remembered all of it. But they missed the lesson. We all know that there's a gap in what we remember and what we learn and this is why we believe that life groups are such an important part of our church's ministry. A place where you can sit down in a small group of people and say, okay, that sermon last week, or this or this or this, and you have a place where you can flush that out. Christians aren't immune you know, to the desire of wanting to know and to grow. 
You know, Jesus' entire ministry was really about teaching his disciples and, and educating them and training them and helping them understand because he knew it was more important for them than, than them just remembering what they'd heard. They needed to understand what he had taught. The first Christians, you know, when you look at the history of, of small groups, it really does start in the New Testament already, but the first Christian small groups was made up of Jesus and the 12 disciples, but many of the first churches also included you know, groups of disciples that met in these smaller homes. In the second and third century, many devout Christians even moved into the desert where they would be able to experience, you know, the smaller community life because they saw it as important. During the Middle Ages, small bands of Celtic missionaries would travel through the cities of Europe, stopping just long enough to start a new small church. Then in the 17th and 18th century, Churches began to organize small groups specifically to help Christians grow. For example, you have a man like Philip Jacob Spenner. He was a Lutheran pastor who organized small groups in which Christians could discuss the practical implications of their faith. Then you have the Methodist Church. You know, John and Charles Wesley, and they would have these small little clubs. And again, the whole purpose of them gathering in these small clubs was so that they could discuss and understand their faith. Because they knew, although John preached to thousands and thousands of people, just hearing the sermon wasn't going to be enough. They encouraged people to get into these smaller places. Christians have been using small groups, life groups, whatever you want to call them, for thousands of years. Because it is one of the key ways for us to deepen our relationship with Christ. So why are, church life, um, why are life groups so important to Deer Run Church? And why are they so important in the area of growth specifically? Let's look at four really quickly. Number one, what Jesus taught can't be learned alone. You need to just come to peace with that. That what Jesus taught... We simply can't learn it on our own. The teachings of Jesus fall into two categories. How to develop yourself spiritually and how to treat other people. Neither of these can really be learned on our own. We need groups of people that are going to help us. So life groups are a safe place for you to you know, support each other, for you to test different things, for you to understand what do these things mean. Maybe in your life group you're going to raise those questions that I mentioned before. You know, things like, you know, what do you understand this verse to mean? I was reading this in this passage today, and I was, you know, focusing on this. And, and what do you understand? And this is an opportunity for your life group just to have those conversations. Some of you may be experiencing, a, you know, a promotion, and you're, you're wrestling with, well, what does this mean for my family? What does this mean for my life? Well, you know, what, what do you think is the right thing for me to do? And again, life group can be that place where you can pray together, you can encourage each other, you can try as a group to understand the teachings of Jesus and how they apply into your lives. Number two, support encourages change. So life groups help growth because, you know, when you have support around you, it encourages change. We each have hurtful, immature, and even dangerous behaviors that need to change in our lives. And change is one of the things that Jesus requires of us. That when we give our lives to Jesus, we are to change our behavior, our, our, our method of living, how we live, what's important to us. All those things need to change. And that is going to require people around you who are going to support you. There are going to be times where you're wrestling with something and you want to change it and, and you want to do this and you just simply can't. Why? 
because you need people who are going to support you and encourage you, similar to maybe having a, a personal fitness trainer. That person's job is there to challenge you and encourage you, and when you exercise in a group, often you will push yourself harder than if you are going at it alone. At least I do. <laughs> you know, James was one of the first leaders of the early church, and he challenges us in James chapter 5, verse 16, to confess our sins to each other. And again, there's this community-mindedness in that statement, that we need one another to confess our sins, to encourage each other, to be a blessing to each other. So life groups is a safe place for us to confess, for us to receive forgiveness, for us to receive encouragement. Number three, missions happens. mission happens in life groups. Most of the stories that we love, the stories that inspire you, are stories not of individuals, but are stories of people working together. And this is one of the things that's so important. We're going to look at this a lot more next week, that one of the elements of a life group is community change. Your life group, the growth that you're experiencing, is not just about you understanding you know, more and, and then doing nothing with it, because if you're going to really retain what you've learned, you need to put it into practice. So mission is one of those things that now a life group can do, and, and, and you can you know, um, do it together. So all of us love these stories of people who you know, worked in a team, who worked together. One of the powerful ways that Christians grow from being in a life group is by working together towards a shared goal and a common cause. A group might work together to provide housing for the homeless, for meals for those who are new parents. They might band together to serve you know, a fellow group of members you know, who is having a ser serious health issue or whatever it may be. There's something beautiful about bonding together as a group. For those of you that are Marvel junkies, when those first movies came out, you know, Iron Man and, and Captain America and all of those, you know, um, I, I'm already forgetting them, but I think for a lot of people, like, that's cool, Iron Man, that was fun. But it was when they brought them all together in the Avengers. Man, I remember that's when a lot of Marvel people were like, oh, there's this group of people, these heroes who are going to work together. And I think all of us have a desire in our hearts to be part of something so that we can work together, we can see results. And again, as part of our growth, we need a place where we can do that together. And then finally, number four, life groups take a church beyond Sunday. This is my heart right here for you. That this, what you are experiencing here this morning, is not all you experience in your walk with Christ. You've heard me say this many, many times, that church needs to happen beyond these walls. And I will start by saying I am so proud of Deer Run Church. And so proud of all of you for how often I hear you representing Christ in the community. And I, and I know that our church is doing amazing things, but I want this for all of you. You need to recognize that one of the beautiful purposes of Life Group is to take us beyond Sunday. Imagine if you went to the gym for one hour a week. While it's better than nothing, I don't think too many of us would consider that we're going to end up fit as a result of it. And some of you might be like, I've been on that diet for years. <laughs> you know, I'm paying the gym for seven days a week, but I go for one, and I go for one hour. Do you, understand, do you see the connection? If you are coming to church and you are putting in one hour a week, and you just saw the horrible information about how much you actually retain, you need to get yourself into a life group so that you can meet with that group of people and that you can take 
what's taught here on Sundays, and you can take that desire for growth and you can take it beyond Sunday and involve it in every area of your life. And I think for all of us, that's our desire. That is our desire that we want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in our relationship with Christ. So that is why we at Deer Run Church believe that life groups are so important to us and why they are so, such a huge part of, of, of our growth. So I want to wrap up by giving two quick little ideas. And that number one, just decide, or not number one, before we get to that, just remind you again, circles are better than rows. This is important. No one is saying that this isn't important. But we believe that the next step for you is to get yourself into a circle, into a life group, so that you can be a blessing and that you can grow together. So if you are not in a life group, can I just ask you, what are you waiting for? See, some of you are like, well, I want the church to put me into a life group. Well, I'll just give you a very quick little history of how we started life groups at this church. We gathered a bunch of people, and we explained the purpose of life groups, and then we said to those people, find yourself leaders, get yourself together, and groups formed rather automatically, or, or, or you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, organically. And it was beautiful. And we believe that that can happen again. And so that's one. We, we are putting pressure on those of you that are not in life groups to consider starting one, to leading one. And then the second thing, and this is, you know, there's some pushback, and I get it. Some of you are like, we've just developed good connections, and we've just developed friendship. If you are currently in a life group, we are just simply asking that every life group consider having the conversation to multiply. To look at your life group and say, what we have is great, but I wonder if maybe we could multiply our group so that more people could be invited in. That's a conversation we're just asking you to have. Why? Because we believe that life groups play an important role in the growth of every single one of us, and we want to see it extended to more people. So if you're here, and you're listening, and you're like, man, that's good. I want to grow in my relationship. I want to grow in the rest of my life, uh, in different areas of my life. I trust that you would consider joining a life group. You can go visit the booth in the hallway, and there will be someone there to talk to you. And so let me close in a word of prayer, and then you are dismissed. Father God, I pray that this morning the words that are said uh, would resonate and that people would um, take time to really process for themselves what is their plan for growth. Does it include just coming here one day a Sunday, uh, one day a week, one hour a Sunday, hearing a sermon and going home? God, if there's a desire to really grow in their faith, I pray that they would be very intentional in developing a system in their life that would help them in that. So Father, our, our, my prayer for all of us here is that our relationship with you would deepen and that our relationship with you would grow. But not only just in the area of spirituality, but Lord, I pray that in every area of our lives that we would find people that we can share life with and that we can grow and that we can encourage and be a blessing to one another. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day.